0: The following podcast is brought to you by The Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) It's really nice to be here. Um, uh, My name is Fusho, for those of you I haven't met. I'm a, a hoshi here at Village Zendo. Yeah, so I was thinking... Uh, Well, we were chanting the Heart Sutra about um, a modern-day story of enlightenment that I encountered recently um, that many of us might have encountered if we happened to go um, to the movies uh, The the Summer and See Barbie. Um, It's a surprising... And surprising way to encounter encounter enlightenment, you might say, um, or the enlightenment story. But I definitely think that's what it is, and um, I also think I think the Heart Sutra comes into play in the, in her story as as the giant franchise, um, huge box office hit uh tells it <laughs> although it's subversive because that's certainly not what it's titled as um, and I think that's what's fun and unexpected about it is that it's a story that could be very simply for kids about a toy doll um, but When I heard that the filmmaker Greta Gerwig uh, would be making it, that was the first hint that it might not be your average blockbuster for me. Greta Gerwig um, is a director who comes from independent film world, uh, which is also my background. And she's gone on to make some great films and been nominated for Academy Awards. But I feel like her sensibility is a little more than your average sort of you know marvel comic book type of sensibility and what a challenge to um tell the story of of barbie of a barbie doll for mattel which by the way is a billion dollar company um, and so when i'm talking about what i feel like um subversive means you know that's a relative term right <laughs> There's all types of what what it means to be subversive. But in this case, this is a huge, huge film that's been released globally around the world for entertainment. And it's made over a billion dollars already. So in that scope, um, if you can come away with um, a a modern day enlightenment story and, uh, and also be thinking about gender roles and what it means to be human. Uh, I would say that's a win. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know uh, the story or haven't seen it, I can, I can share that story with you. Um, I'm not convinced it's made for little girls, by the way. I think it's made for big girls. <laughs> that was my... Saison's pointing at himself Um, you know Greta has a lot of fun turning things on their head so in Barbie land when we first encounter Barbie everything is run by Barbies and it's very much a matriarchy that we're encountering so Everybody, all the positions, you know, they have the president is a Barbie. The Supreme Court are all made up of Barbies. The scientists, the astronauts, the doctors, the Nobel Prize winners, um, everybody running everything are Barbies. And then Ken is there, but Ken's not running anything. Um, he's sort of there as an accessory. And Ken doesn't really even know what his job is. He thinks it's beach he likes to go to the beach that's as far as he's gotten with that and he just knows that he's only happy existing when he's acknowledged by barbie and that so that's his kind of whole mo is to like be in her presence Um, and to be able to be over invited to come over and come to her dance parties and and then he's always disappointed because he gets sent home because every night is girl's night Um, And he doesn't know even what what it would mean to stay over, but (laughs) it's a very platonic world that we arrive in. And every day is perfect. And so every day she wakes up and everything is great and all the Barbies are fun and wonderful and nothing ever changes. Until one day, out of nowhere, Barbie starts to have irrepressible thoughts of death. (laughs) And she's very alarmed and horrified and doesn't know what in the world could possibly be going on or where this is coming from not only irrepressible thoughts of death but she wakes up and she has bad breath she's never had before and she notices a little bit of cellulite on her leg and then as she's like coming out of bed instead of her feet being perfectly poised and frozen for high heels they, they flatten and her feet are on the ground suddenly which is horrifying and terrible. And so, and she's super scared. And she falls, she does fall over at first because as some of us feminists know that if Barbie was a real person and she had those, you know, measurements, she wouldn't be able to walk. So she does fall over. But um, then it's a big question of what to do about the fact that she's, all these horrible things are happening and something horrible has happened to her feet, which are now on the ground. And so she goes, um, and has to talk to weird Barbie to find out what might, what might be the cause of all of this. And weird Barbie is the one that nobody wants, you know, is in the corner, but the one that has the makeup on it and the hair has been cut and and also lit by a lighter and she's constantly in the splits. (laughs) It's just the one that the the child has played too a little too hard with or a little too dramatically, a little too punk rock maybe. That was, a, that was me that was a, playing with that Barbie. And that, the weird Barbie says, oh, there's something wrong in the human world with your human girl. There must be something going wrong. You should, you're going to have to go into the human world and find out what's happened if you want to get things back to the way they are. And so off she goes in this journey to the real world to see what she can learn. And Ken goes with her as a sidekick. <laughs> And boy, do things change once they suddenly emerge in the real world. Um, she she starts to think she doesn't actually understand who she is. She starts to try to find out, you know, who her creator was, um, and and Ken, who who's been wrestling with his relevance in this land. Um sings a song, for example, he, his, his theme song when we meet him is, I'm just Ken, anywhere else I'd be a 10. Is it my destiny to live and die a life of blonde fragility? And so when he comes out into the world, he suddenly realizes the Kens aren't actually second-class citizens, but the ones who call the shots and drive the culture. And he, he encounters the word patriarchy which is a big game changer for him. And Barbie encounters the male gaze in a way that's incredibly uncomfortable. Suddenly Um, she recognizes that people are saying things to her and looking at her with an undercurrent of violence. So what she really wants is actually just to get back to the, to the Barbie land as fast as possible, because she doesn't like this idea that things are changing and that, and that she can, she's starting to feel emotions. Um so we're off we are on this journey. And there's a lot of uh, you know, some some winking side notes, I would say, about the structures of people and male, female roles, and then how things are in the patriarchy. Um <laughs> Ken discovers horses and hummers, um, and toxic masculinity. And I would say that this film, you know, really doesn't shy away from what would that be like? What is that like if this little perfect doll role model idea of what the perfect woman is, is actually out out here in our real world, you know, as, as things are today. And so Gerwig says about the film, since Barbie has had a long history, we had to confront the criticisms head on. We needed to get there before anyone else. Barbie has been equal parts painted a villain and a heroine. We point out and engage with the critics and at the same time we celebrate Barbie. I mean, Barbie's always been a very divisive character when it comes to feminine role models. She was the first adult doll that people could play with. Barbie went to the moon before women could have credit cards. Barbie represents a lot of different things. But in in a way, you could say she was a stealthy advocate for women in the workplace and our achievements on one hand. There are definitely complications with Barbie, but she was also at the vanguard of moving certain things forward. So we chant, O Shariputra, form is no other than emptiness, emptiness no other than form in the Heart Sutra. And as Barbie goes on her journey in this film, she starts to question what it means to be human, what it means to be a woman. She doesn't know suddenly. So she's entering into a place of not knowing. Um, And she's asking, you know, about herself. Or as um, my Dharma brother, Seizan, would say, what's more Zen than who am I? (laughs) <laughs> and i wanted to read a story that we know from uh the hidden lamp we also know it from uh, vimalakirti sutra about the goddess's transformations and it comes from india in the second century so a goddess met the shariputra and they began to converse He was impressed with her great wisdom, but he wondered why she continued to be female, since surely being male would be preferable. He asked, why don't you transform yourself out of your female state? Rigatis said, I have looked for the innate characteristics of female form to no avail. How can I change them? She can't find anything fixed or solid that makes her female. If a magician created the illusion of a woman, would you ask her, why don't you transform yourself out of your female state? And Shariputra replied, no, such a woman would not really exist. So what would there be to transform? And she said, just so. All things do not really exist. Form is no other than emptiness. Emptiness no other than form. So how can you ask something that doesn't exist to change its form? Then the goddess by supernatural power changed Shariputra into the likeness of herself and changed herself into a likeness of Shariputra and asked, why don't you transform yourself out of your female state? And Shariputra cried, I no longer appear in the form of a male. My body has changed into a woman's body. I don't know what to transform. She replied, just as you are not really a woman, but appear to be female in form, all women appear to be female in form, but are not really women. Therefore, Buddha said that all beings are not really men or women. And she changed Shariputra back into his own form and asked, so where is your female form now? So Barbie starts to encounter what it means to be human, how messy things are, how uncomfortable having these emotions can be, and how scary. And not to mention how hard it is to meet everyone's expectations of what it means to be a woman. And she starts to get confused. And she starts to ask, as Billie Eilish, our contemporary songwriter, poet, wrote in the song for the film, what was I made for? And the song lyrics that Billie Eilish Eilish wrote, that you can hear in the film, say, I used to float, now I just fall down. I used to know, but I'm not sure now. What was I made for? Taking a drive, I was an idea. Looked so alive. Turns out I'm not real. Just something you paid for. What was I made for? I don't know how to feel, but I want to try. Someday, I might. Someday, I might." And eventually, after going back and forth a couple times, Barbie decides she really does want to be human, even though it becomes very clear to her that what that means is not knowing and, inevitably, death. In the meantime, Ken decides he loves patriarchy. But then he realizes he actually has to take care of things and run things. And that's not that fun after all. So then he comes back to Barbie Len. he doesn't know what to do with himself until Barbie explains. I'm not the one that makes you who you are. And your horses aren't the things that make you who you are. And being in charge of things isn't what makes you who you are. And you're fine. You're okay. Just you. Right now. You're enough. So his head almost explodes. (laughs) <laughs> but he ends up realizing that he's enough, or can enough. <laughs> if you want to say. So needless to say, Greta Gerwig packs a whole lot in here. It's very subversive in certain ways. Um, there's all kinds of representation that if you look closely, you will see, but they're, it's not explicit. Um including trans actress Hari Neff is, is represented in the film as one of the Barbies. And in an interview, Hari Neff said, um, while the movie is a celebration of femininity, it's also a loving send-up of, of how far it can be taken. So it's, a, it's about, there's a contradiction and ambivalence It's very close to the heart of probably a lot of girls like me today, probably a lot of girls in general today. It's candy with a little poison, and that's what I like. She continues, I felt like through Barbie, I could explore all kinds of people to be and things to do. She said, I wasn't cast to be trans Barbie, but Barbies are Barbies. They're not human women. They're dolls. They don't have genitalia. As much as there's a celebration of femininity and being a girl in the movie, I think there's an encouragement of letting go of the checklist we ascribe to living and living your life and being in your body on your your way on your own terms. The best we can do is be there for each other and take ourselves at face value without relying on the green light from someone or anyone else. Our dharma sister and sangha member Jennifer Kation Armstrong writes about pop culture and she wrote about Barbie's enlightenment narrative and she says it does no less than pontificate on the nature of consciousness, which is no small feat for a movie produced by a major corporation. And she says the film serves as a meditation on consciousness, impermanence, and the true nature of reality. Barbie's quest is an overtly spiritual one, coming into her own consciousness. Once she's seen the truth of suffering, she feels compelled to join humanity, just the way Buddha did when he left out on his journey as a prince, and left the palace walls, and, and realized that there is suffering in the world. So the commentary in um, The Hidden Lamp it, uh, on this story, this version of the Shariputra transforming into different sexes is by Jan Chosen Bayes. And her reflection says, once somebody asked me, in India, it is said that you cannot be enlightened if you're a woman. What does Zen say about this? And she answered, in Zen practice, we say that in order to be enlightened, you must become completely a woman, completely a man, both, and neither. The Buddha stated clearly that women and men are equally capable of attaining enlightenment, and he had enlightened women disciples. However, prejudice crept back in after Buddha's time. And yet, even the nuns in the time around uh, 1228, who said, oh, we understand that the Buddha doesn't have a sex, did start to question whether or not they could be enlightened. There was a... um, a statue in Japan which had been commissioned by these nuns and it was carved as a nude image with ambiguous genitalia, just like Barbie in some sense. But found within the statue was a prayer from one of the nuns asking to be reborn as a man. So the nun knew what it meant to be a woman in that time and that it was very different in the real world. Even if she were married, unless she was wealthy, she would have been pregnant, nursing, cooking, cleaning, sewing almost every minute of her probably short life. And for most women, it would have been immensely easier to practice and to become enlightened in a male body. As an Erhat, Shariputra is well practiced in seeing through mind-made creations. And yet his words, like all words spoken from the point of view of prejudice, give life to prejudice. However, the goddess responds to him with an answer arising from the essential truth underlying all existence. In asking if a magician created the illusion of a woman, she's pointing out that if we are all constantly creating ourselves out of bits of sound and color and the glue that holds it all together is subliminal thought. I am this. This is my role. This is mine. This is who I'm supposed to be. This is what I want you to be like. The illusion is so powerful that we will defend it to our death if we're not careful. And the goddess is poking Shariputra. Imagine the astonishment on his face when he looked down at his Barbie-like body. Zazen allows us to zoom in like a microscope, past skin and hair, sinking into the commonality of bone and flesh, of carbon and hydrogen all the way down to luons and quarks dancing in empty space. And we can zoom out like a telescope. Our fundamental nature has nothing to do with the chromosomes we have or what parts of us stick out or fold in. It is called our pure nature because it is completely clean of these distinctions. We have been, are, and will be everything. Our practice helps us at least to let go of all differentiation and sit at ease in the humming maw of potential energy we call emptiness. To let go and to smile, as out of that emptiness arise mischievous goddesses and serious R hats, and Barbie, and Ken, and you and me.